0: Well, welcome back to our online edition of the Christian Church of Estes Park. We're disciples of Jesus that build generational, transformational disciples of Jesus. I'm Pastor Aaron, and uh, hey, we've done it. This is our uh, fourth Uh, online church thing. We've gone through a month. We're so glad to have you here with us. We're uh, going to finish up our series today in Isaiah, and I hope that this series has been exciting and encouraging uh, for you as we've been going through this time. I'm just amazed at how God a year ago gave us this series to preach, just showing how sovereign and good, you know, good that He is. So anyway, as we go through this uh, last portion of it, we could talk about God's holiness, but also His hope. And uh, I could use some hope, <laughs> maybe some good news. Well. Uh, more than just, just being the end of a series, this is also, God's given us some amazing things uh, in the book of Isaiah. Look at what we have. We have His holy name that we get to take, and uh, the power of Christ's name to not just save, but also in our lives, to be able to go to God and talk to Him. We've got God's holy protection over us, that He's going to keep His word to us, regardless of what we deserve, but because He is good, He will protect us, and it's based upon His holy promise, not like anybody else's promise, God's promise to save us and to take care of of us, His children, and of course, the greatest promise He's ever given us, it's that holy salvation, a type of salvation that is unlike anything this world has to offer, that we were saved by God's grace through faith, and that holy name, Jesus Christ, as our Lord and our Savior. And We have such amazing good things, and today we get to complete uh, this with, I think, the best news of Also, I'm glad that you're here, but we have all of those amazing things because we remember our memory... Of- that our God is not like anything else. Our God is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the whole earth, full of His glory. And so as we finish this series up, I encourage you of this memory verse that we have for the series, let's just do it one more time together. Here we go. Three, two, one. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. Isaiah 6.3. I'm sure you sound wonderful, but let's say it again. Here we go. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah 6.3. And one more time, just so it sticks into our hearts and our minds as we go into this message. Here we go. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Isn't it awesome that our God isn't isn't just holy, but that He's almighty, and that He's Lord, He's in control, and that He's in this world right now with us, and He's not just in this world, but He brings His glory with Him to this world, and He's not just in one part of this world, but He's all over the world. The whole earth is full of His glory. Oh, we serve a great God. You know, if you have your Bible, why don't we turn it to Isaiah 55, and you remember there's, uh, as we go through this awesome book of scripture. We kind of got near the end of it. And as we worked our way through, we started with God's holy nature in Isaiah 6. We saw that our God is holy, 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 different, 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 pure, 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 amazing. Not unlike anything else, our God is is amazing. Not something we could have created because He's the creator of all things. And our God that we find in Isaiah 7, as we talked about we have God's holy protection, that He sent us the Emmanuel, God with us. The virgin did conceive and bore a son, and we call him Emmanuel. And so we see that our God saves us by becoming one of us. He didn't say, hey, people, uh, it seems to be you. You hijacked this world from me. Uh, hope you like it. How things go. Nope. He came and He rescued us, God Himself, Emmanuel. Isaiah 9, not just we have God himself with us for bringing in that protection, but Isaiah 9, that amazing promise that, that for to us a child will be born and a son will be given. And, then, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor and a Mighty God and an Everlasting Father and a Prince of Peace. What a promise. And that Prince of Peace is with us today. And that wonderful counselor guides us every step of the way. That everlasting father provides for all of our needs. And that mighty God protects us. What an amazing promise that is. And then a couple weeks ago, Isaiah 37, that, that crazy battle between Hezekiah and Sennacherib, when all seemed lost and God validated his name. And he said, you know what? I'm not like the false gods of all those other nations, Sennacherib, that you got to steamroll over. But I'm a real and I'm a living God, and I will defend my name and I will defend my people, and there is power in me, so watch out. And for Hezekiah, who laid out his problems before God and saw God deliver him in the most miraculous, most amazing way. And it all led up, of course, to the last week that we talked about how God's salvation was holy Isaiah 52 and 53. That it was all designed, God's holiness, and yet coming into this, this world to save us, that was his plan. That was His design all along, was to come and not put our sins upon our shoulders and, and so He could condemn us, but no, He sent His Son of the world to save the world, and so He became the suffering servant and took on our sins. God Himself broke in our behalf that we could be saved by His grace through faith in Jesus. And all of those things, all of those things give us comfort, Right? Especially in difficult times. Times like this. Times like this where I know a lot of our church family and a lot of people in our community have lost their jobs. Are wondering, you know, what's happening us? They're hoping that the, the stimulus checks will come in, but that's only short term. They're looking for, w- what, what do we have? What is God going to help us with? At a time where, uh, you know, the virus is still out there. It's like some weird specter that could get you if you get too close to somebody. It's there! In times like this, isn't it awesome that our God is... He's holy. He's not like the rest of this world. He's not freaking out. He's not wondering what's going to happen. He knows what's happening. He was God before this. He'll be God after it. He's still on his throne. Still cares for us and his people. We're all right. We're okay. His promise is true. His salvation is with us. His protection is with us. His promise is with us. His presence is with us. And so we have his comfort. I think that's one of the powerful things about Isaiah as we've gone through. But you know, all of that, even the salvation, it's not the end of the story. I mean, you would think that it all led up just to the salvation and that we can be saved by god 's grace that God would save even us sinful people that it would be amazing that he would do that would be you would think that is that is the pinnacle that is amazing that God put on flesh the immortal became mortal and died on our behalf of our sins, and then though dead, he became alive and rose again, and that he brings salvation to not just the Jews but to everybody in the world that 's pretty good it 's pretty good <laughs> but that 's nothing in the story it gets even better. Even better. You see, God's holiness is what this whole book is about, which talks about, it. you know, God is different, and since we're His people, we need to be different. And therefore, there's consequences when we don't live different because the world is broken. The way of the world is a way of brokenness. It's a way of death. It's a way that seems right to people, but it always ends in death. And He says, I want you to be different than that. I don't want you to be dead. What's different than death? Life. That's pretty good. And that our God's holiness is is a big part of of Isaiah, but it's not the only thing. You'll notice the sermon series is not just holiness, but there's something better. There's hope. Hmm. And that's what we get to when we get to the very end of this. Our hope is different. It's a holy kind of hope. It's not like the hope the world gives, like I hope the stimulus check comes in, or I hope that the virus goes away. I hope that they get a really great cure that just eradicates things. God's hope that he gives us is a much better hope and it's a much different kind of hope than the world gives. And so we pick up this talk about that hope in Isaiah 55 as a prophet, he, he proclaims it. And in, in Isaiah 55 verse 1, he says, Come, all you who are thirsty and come to the waters, you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. God, what He invites us to come, it's not, hey, I want you to come because I can get something out of you. You know, every religion is based upon is based upon what you have to give. Every religion has rules and regulations, and if you are a good boy or a good girl and you do all of the things, then you get good things. And part of that being your salvation, part of that being protection, part of that being the future, what you can earn. But this is holy. <laughs> this is different. Come, you are thirsty. Are you thirsty? Uh, are, you, are you a person that has no money? Is that, is that something that may ring true right now? <laughs> Jesus doesn't say, hey, come back when you get your life together. The Word of God doesn't say, hey, come back when you've got something to offer. It says, come. Come now. You see, Jesus didn't come for the strong, but for those who knew that they're not strong. I'm not kidding. Look at the words of Jesus in in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2. Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Pretty apropos passage for a day like today. But of course, he's not talking about just the coronavirus, he's talking about the, the deeper virus of death that is caused by our sin. If you recognize that you're broken, that you don't have everything together, I mean, you may have some things together, and that's great. We're to that. But we're not here because we have it all together. If you recognize that you're not worthy of standing in God's holy presence, that's a very good place to start. Because God says, come, you are welcome. You are welcome. I came for you. I came for you. I came to bring you hope. I came to give you a future. Isn't it awesome that God is not sitting in heaven waiting for us to get our lives in order? I know I've got some really good friends that I keep trying to invite to come to church, and I tell them, hey, they've got a great pastor. You know, he preaches really good, and the worship guy's all right. And so, you know, I, I, I try to you know, bring them in, there and they say, well, you know, I would love to come, <laughs> but I just, I just don't feel like I would fit in. <laughs> Are you a sinner? Fit in. Are you thirsty? Are you broke? Well, good news for you. You don't have to stay that way. Better news for you. You could come now just as you are. And maybe that's one of the great things about doing our church online for a while. As I recognize, I think that, you know, sometimes church can be kind of scary. You think, what's inside of those? Now you've got to see. And I will hope when this is done, I invite you to come. But even before that today, can you come to God? Come. He came for us. Jesus came to save the broken. Matthew 11, this is what the words of our Lord Jesus said. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then their yoke is talking about, it's 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 an agricultural term where they would have oxen who would plow a field. And and so the burden that would be placed upon them was to to drag this plow through the ground. It's pretty hard to do. And so they would get these oxen together and they would place upon them a yoke and they would tie it to the plow. And as the oxen walked, they'd have to drag this plow and break up the soil. And it was hard work. And and Jesus says, you'd feel like that in life? You ever feel like you are just weary? Like just going through life is like dragging a plow of the earth. It's just hard. Yeah. Welcome to humanity. It's part of the curse. We hijacked this world from God. And He said, well, I'll let you run it, but I'll let you run it. Which means that I'm not going to be here running things for you. Which means that, you know how I grew everything in the garden for you? Well, it's one of the consequences. Now you have to grow the things in the garden yourself. And by the sweat of your own brow, you're going to eke out an existence. Life's going to be hard. Work's going to be frustrating. Life will be hard and frustrating. And Jesus says to us who are broken, who are are weary, he says, Are you weary? Are you burdened? Come to me. Our God came back to us. And he didn't wait for us to get our lives in order. He came to us and said, Come. And more than that, he didn't just come to gloat and say, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and I'm going to watch you guys try to figure it out. He says, Come and I will help. In fact, I'll take that yoke that you have. I'm going to take that burden, and I've got a different kind of yoke. We're plowing a different kind of field. And it's not hard. It's a work of grace, it's a work of trust, it's a work of faith, it's a work of goodness. It's like going back to the garden. Jesus says, I want you to have this. And so, in his kindness, we we remember God's holiness. That we we see that Jesus has come and and you will find rest. That we remember that our God is not like anything else. He's not like the gods that humans invent. Our God is holy, holy, holy. He doesn't place upon us this burden that says, Come and therefore, come to me if you're worried, worried and burdened and I will give you more. More work to do, our God, is not like that. And think about how amazing this is. Who are we to commune with this God? Who are we who have hijacked this world from Him, who have not lived the perfect lives, who have <laughs> come broken and sick in need of help? Who are we to come before God? Well, we're the ones that are made holy by Christ. That's who we are. We're the ones He has made holy. Look at verses 2 and 3. And there it says, Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest fare. That is an amazing thing. That there is nothing any of us can do to purchase God's favor. Believe that. There's nothing that God wants us to do to purchase His favor. He says, I recognize that you don't have what it takes, that you've broken my covenant, you've done bad things, you've lived in sin, you haven't got your everything together, and even the good things that you do oftentimes aren't done with right motives. I get it. I want you. And I want you to come. And so he says, stop wasting our lives trying to earn his favor and earn his love. He's not like that. He is different. The great news is we don't have to do. We, we don't have to earn our place in the kingdom. It's been earned for us. Which means that no matter where you are today, but no matter what you have done, God is offering you his holiness. Just like Isaiah in chapter 6, who stood before God as he got his commission. And he saw the seraphim, those fiery, amazing angels, uh, you know, flying above the throne room of God, covering their face and their feet as to show him respect and screaming out to one another, Holy, holy, holy. And Isaiah says, Woe to me, I'm ruined. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst the people of unclean lips. I have seen the Lord Almighty. I am undone. I am ruined. And God allows the seraph to take a hot colt from that altar and press it to his lips and says, See, now your sins have been atoned for. You are holy. And not just holy enough to stand in God's presence, but holy enough to see God and to talk with him. Something even the seraphim don't do. What did Isaiah do to deserve that? Nothing, and that's the point. God is offering you His holiness. Our God is holy, 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 and He's offering to make us different, to set us apart so we're not like the rest of this world, that we'll live in this world, yes, but not forever, but we don't have to be part of this world like everybody else is anymore. We can be different. We can have a joy when everything else falls apart because we have a security when everything else is washed away. Though the mountains may crumble, God will stand and He will carry us. And so God is offering His holiness and His holy protection and His holy promise and His holy name and His holy salvation. And so look at verse 53, the second half of it. As God says, don't have to earn things. Don't have to try and work so hard and strive. He says, give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, God is calling us. He's going to make a new covenant. That was the prophecy 700 years before Jesus, that God would make a new covenant, different than the sacrificial system, different than everything else that came before that. God makes a new covenant. God says with us, there's a different way to be made right. There's a different way to be human. And as sure as his covenant for David, it's absolutely as sure as his covenant was for David. That same kind of promise that allowed God to save King Ahaz as wicked as he was, but God made a promise to David, I'm not going to let your lineage die off. And so God saved wicked King Ahaz. The same kind of love that saved Jerusalem, uh, uh, the time Sennacherib was attacking Hezekiah, that actually saved an entire city miraculously. That same love is protecting us. It's for us. That's what it says. The same God, make it covenant my faithful love promised to David. God has promised to love you and me. With the exact same kind of love and fervor and dedication that he loved King David. Why? Because God is only. He is good. You see, Jesus is, is amazing. And so he goes in the next passage He says, See, I have made him a witness of peoples, a ruler and a commander of the peoples. That's the suffering servant. That's the one who came and took upon our sins and died and rose again. He says, listen, I want you to come and I want you to have and enjoy all of my riches. I want you to have these things. And I want to love you like I love David. And I will love you like I love King David. And how am I going to do it? Well, I made Jesus. I made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and a commander of the peoples. That Jesus' name is holy. It matters. It's different. You're not saved because you're religious. You're not saved because you have faith. You're not saved because you're good. You're not saved because of anything else. We are saved by God's grace through our faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. As we remember that wonderful passage in Acts, the the proclamation from the Apostle Peter, that there is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved, that Jesus saves us. We have a new covenant with God through him. And, and Jesus' name is remarkable and holy and proclaimed now throughout the entire world. And Jesus' resurrection that we place, that faith in that holy name is based upon the historical reality of the resurrection, something we're going to celebrate next week, next Sunday, that the resurrection happened and it is undeniable. You have to throw your brain out in order to deny the resurrection. It is solid. It happened. Our faith is faith, but it is a reasonable faith. And Jesus rose from the dead to prove he is God. Because he rose again and he is God, Jesus' lordship is secure. He is God over all things, which means that he's not just God over all stuff that he made, but all over all the time that he made, which means he's God today. He is sovereign today as much as he was sovereign yesterday. And his as is going to be in the future, that his lordship is secure. And that's why Jesus gave us this promise in the Gospel of John, chapter 16. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Would you like to have some peace? In this world, you'll have trouble. Amen, Jesus. Amen. But take heart. Take heart. Have courage. Be encouraged. Have hope. I have overcome the world. That's where our hope comes from. Not in you and me. Not what we can do. Not in anything else. But that God has already come and He has already conquered this world. So do you have trouble? Yeah. you have trouble today? Are you worried and anxious? Do you feel like you have heavy burdens, the weight of the world on your shoulder? The words of Christ. He wants you to have peace. Could you use some peace in this time that surpasses understanding, that doesn't make sense in light of your circumstances? That's what that means. Well, here's where it is. We take heart because we remind ourselves that Jesus overcame this world, that he is sovereign. And look at Jesus' sovereignty. Just a second, just take a look at it. Jesus is in control, not just of little things, but of all things. He's in control of health. We're all worried about a virus. And for rightly so, it's a big virus. We're concerned about it. But should we be paralyzed with our fear? Let us remember that Jesus is bigger than a virus. Was Jesus able to heal people? Yeah. In his ministry, well testified by tons of eyewitnesses. He was able to heal people from all kinds of things. From leprosy. That was kind of contagious and scary. Or how about blindness? That seemed pretty darn permanent. No one knew how to do anything with that. Or how about death? That's kind of a serious health condition. And he was able to heal people from being dead, raise the dead. Is Jesus sovereign and in control over our health? Yeah, I think he's got our in control. How about our wealth? How about that? I mean, is Jesus able to, to take care of us? Look at the promise that he gave us. He, he says, listen, uh, look at the birds of the field. And actually, right now, if you could see birds, do you see them all screwing around? like, oh, no, what are we going to (laughs) do? No. Their Heavenly Father sees them, and Jesus says, look, he takes care of them. And guess what? It's springtime, and sometime the snow will stop falling, and the the flowers will come back. I promise it will happen. And when it does, you don't see the flowers out there wondering, worrying about, well, am I going to be okay? Are we going to make it? No, they are taken care of. And Jesus said, God can handle those things, and you're not much Aren't you a lot more valuable than a flower which grows and then basically it goes to seed and dies? Or aren't you more valuable than a bird? You're his child. He so said, you know what? If you seek me, my kingdom, and righteousness above all else, if you're one of my children, you're not going you to be at the worry. God is in control over finance. He's bigger than that. He can provide manna from heaven if you're walking through the desert. He can provide water out of a rock. Jesus was able to get coins out of a fish's mouth. He's able to take care of finance. He's sovereign over that. He's in control, so we can trust Him. Is Jesus in control of nature? Should we worry about, I don't know, the next fire, the next flood, the next big catastrophe? Well, isn't Jesus able to make an entire storm just stop just by saying, Hey, be quiet, I want to take a nap? Yeah, Jesus is powerful. He's sovereign over nature. Or how about even the spiritual world where, you know, the demons and the mighty forces of darkness out of the world, like all the poltergeists and scary things. Uh, Jesus, wasn't he in control over those things as well? I mean, he had an entire legion. That's an army of demons that dwelled in one guy, run up to him and surrender without even doing anything and beg for mercy. (laughs) Our God, Jesus, is sovereign. He's in control of all things in the world, in nature, and in the unseen. And we're with him more importantly, He's with us. And so, you have trouble? Take heart. Jesus overcame this world. He knew about today. He called you into the day. He's got the grace for you today. He's going to carry you through today. He's going to carry you through tomorrow. But we need to make sure we're with Him. That's what we need to do. Verse 5, it goes on in this great news. It says, Surely you will summon nations you know not. And nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, has endowed with you splendor. And he's talking about Jesus. <laughs> that, that in the entire world, has there ever been a name that brought such salvation, such peace and such hope? That all over the world, even today and next Sunday and the Sunday after, as we celebrate the risen Lord Jesus, He will be lifted and celebrated. What a prophecy, 700 years before He was born. To all people. And Jesus' heart is for all people. In John 3.16, Jesus said that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have eternal life. The next verse, that God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And God has a heart for you. If you're in this world, he's got a heart for you. Matthew 28, Jesus told his disciples, go to all nations, all different kinds of peoples and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them how to live this new life, obeying Christ and all of his teachings. And he said, and be sure of this, I'm with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm with you always to the end of the age. It doesn't matter where you are today. God loves you. But Jesus not only saves, he sanctifies. He doesn't just take broken sinners, those who are weak and those who are impoverished, but he makes us healthy and strong and rich. Not health and wealth gospel, but he provides our needs. And ultimately, when we go to heaven, oh, the splendor, oh, the splendor. It's going to be worth it. Really, really worth it. Jesus right now making a mansion for me. I'm pretty sure there are going to be some pretty awesome rooms in that mansion. But even today, he's doing something in me. He's sanctifying me. You see, Jesus says that I'm a new creation, and God calls it. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. We read that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You should go read it. It's amazing that if you were in Christ, you die to your old sins. That's why we are baptized, and we're born again, a new creation, a whole different kind of person, different than before. And he makes us different than we were before. And unlike before, we made ourselves in our own images and didn't do a great job. In Ephesians chapter 2, we find out that that God makes you into his masterpiece. He's not even just like, yeah, I made you. God's not going to be ashamed of you and get to heaven. He's going to be showing you off. He's going to be like, hey, Gabriel, look what I did. Gabriel will be like, wow, that's awesome. That's what our God is doing in you and me and not just in the hereafter, but in the here and now. He is transforming us. He's giving you gifts and powers and ability in his very own presence. God is with you today, and He calls you His masterpiece. He treasures you, but you're more than just a masterpiece. You're, not, you're more than just a person that is now made for good works. He's made you His own child. He brought you into His own divine family, even though we are not divine. Bows my mind, but that's what He did. Even the Apostle John, he couldn't wrap his mind around this. He writes in his, in his epistle, John chapter 3, he says, See what love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God. And then he goes on, he's like, because it's just unbelief. He says, and that is what we are. Unbelievable. God loves his children. He is the best father. And maybe you didn't have a great, I had an awesome father. But maybe you didn't. But I'll tell you this, as awesome as my dad was, God is even better. And God loves His children. And He provides for His children like a good father does. And He protects His children like a good father does. And He saves His children like a good father does. And therefore, we read in verses 6 and 7, Seek the Lord while He may be found, and call on Him while He is near. Today is the day. Seek Him while He may be found. You know that... This offer of salvation, this this offer of a new life, this offer of this, this new way to be, this offer of being present with God, this offer of being made holy and enjoying all of the holy things that are part of God and His nature and His goodness. It's an offer. Just like He offered us in the garden. He offered us a whole world and a paradise. And we missed it. But He offers us again a new way. Not based upon what we deserve, but what He has done. And so today is a day of salvation. Let's not squander it. Next week, we celebrate Easter, the resurrection, the historical reality of God becoming flesh and dying and raising again, proving that he's with us. When people say, what's the evidence of God? Jesus is the evidence of God. How do we know God exists? Because He put on flesh and He did things only a God can do. He raised the dead. He calmed the steeds. He stopped the demons. He raised Himself from the dead. He fulfilled all the prophecies. He is God. It is undeniable. And He says, and He came and He said, I came to save you, but you got to come to me on my terms. And His terms are not bad. God could have said, "Hey, come to me, and you know, cut off your left arm, and and uh, you know, uh, make sure that you eat uh, Brussels sprouts every Tuesday." I mean, He could have said that, but He didn't. He's got something much better. He says, "I want you to do this. I just want you to come. I want you to come to me in my grace through faith." Well, what do I need to do by faith? I want you to come. I want you to enjoy all the riches that I have because you can't purchase them anyway, but I want you to have them. That's what he says. Isn't <laughs> that good news? But today is a day, so seek and while be found. There's a day coming that this offer is not going to last anymore. Whether it's the day that you draw your last breath or the day that Christ returns. As I say, let's not drag our feet, but why would you want to anyway? Why would you want to? God is available to any who will come near to Him. But He's not going to wait forever. And I hope that He's gotten your attention right now. As I stand here in front of an empty room for an entire month preaching to cameras and chairs, that God has stripped away all the other things so that we can finally hear Him. He loves you that much. Will you come to Him? How do we come to Him? Well, he says here, let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts and let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and, our, and to our God and he will freely pardon them. I tell you this, that if you come to God by grace through faith, it's the most amazing thing that our God's not, may he, re, my, he might accept you. The promise is that he absolutely will accept you. He's accepting you. He's already done the work. He's done everything for you while you were still his enemy. Christ died for us. So he says, come. And so what do we need to do? The first one is we have to believe in him. Let them come and turn to the Lord. Will you believe and trust? The evidence is there. And plus, what else do you really have? I'm we going to get an offer like this ever again. And it's an amazing one. And God pleads with you. He says, please. Turn to me. Believe in me. Trust me. That's a mental ascent. It's a trust. Even you're going to have doubts, but it's okay. Trust in him and confess him. So it says, it's to to say that Jesus is my Lord and Savior with your lips and with your life. To say, I'm going to live that way. That's what it says here. To turn from your unrighteous thoughts. To say, I'm not going to live that old dead way anymore. Why would I want to anyway? And we call that repentance. It's an expression of faith. It's just changing how we live. I invite you to repent. He invites us to the waters of baptism where, where we express that wonderful faith by, by being buried to the old life and raised into a new life, letting those sins wash off and to receive that holiness, that purity in the kingdom of God. And then he invites us into this wonderful church family. And believe you me, we're going to meet together again and I hope that it's very soon. And when we do, you're going to see this family and I should hope over this last month it has grown. We'll come back and we will grow together as God grows us more righteous in our hearts. His His Holy Spirit does His work and transforms us from the inside out and undoes the wickedness and the brokenness of our hearts and gives us a new heart. And I'll tell you, as one who's walked with the Lord for over two decades, I'm not the man I used to be. I used to be very, very different. And God has surely and consistently changed me. Am I perfect? By no means. But I'm way more perfect than I used to be. And God is at work, and He continues to work in me, and He will be at work in you. He's a sanctifying God. So in verse 8 and 9, you say, Aaron, that seems seems too good to believe. And I would say in this world, yeah, usually when things are too good to believe, don't believe them. But God anticipates this, and He writes in verse 8. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declared the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God's not like us. Just remember that He's holy. You're going to have doubt. Of course you're going to have doubt. How could you not have doubt? That's okay. Doubt is good. It's honest. Because God's different than us. He's bigger than our brains. Do we fully understand Him? No. If I fully understood God, my brain would be bigger than God. God is so massive, we couldn't invent Him. Think of the Trinity. What human? We can't even understand it. We know it's real. It's not a contradiction. God is not three and not three. He's just three and one. Wow. I don't know. Bigger than our brains. How about God's sovereignty and your free will? Will you ever be able to fully comprehend that, how God is sovereign over all things and yet gives people perfect free will? No. It's not a contradiction, though. It's an enigma. Yeah. And God says, listen, I'm different than you. I'm holy. I'm way more different. You're not going to get me. You're not going to be able to wrap your brain around me. But can you wrap your arms around me? Can you do that? So if you have doubt, good, bring it to God. That's one of the reasons we named our son Thomas. Not only is his grandfather a really awesome guy, but the Apostle Thomas was pretty great. I love the fact that he was honest and said, I've got doubt. (laughs) And God didn't chastise him. He said, okay, come find out. And so, God's calling you into a salvation. You don't understand, that's okay. He's not saying understand it fully. He's saying come. While there's time, come. While the offer's available, come. While you still may, come. Enjoy it freely. And recognize that God's bigger than your brain, so we trust him. But because he's bigger than our brain, recognize this too, that God is bigger than your sin. And you might say, Aaron, I'm so broken. I've done so many things. I've tried to change. I've tried to do all this stuff. God can't save me. God can save anybody. God can save anybody. He can raise the dead. He can save anybody. (laughs) You are not too big for God. And God is bigger than your problems too. Just like you say, I don't understand how he's going to do these things. God has solutions that you can't even fathom, and he's at work and he's got the power and the ability to put those solutions into place. God has the ability to take care of his people in a way that we would never comprehend or expect. God is bigger than our problems. God is bigger than this virus. God is bigger than the economy. God is bigger than our health. God is bigger than all the things that weigh upon us that we're so worried about. God is bigger. And the reality is that those things are oftentimes bigger than us. And God never promised that he wouldn't give us things more than we could handle. such a lie. God promised He wouldn't give us more temptation than we had the ability to handle, so we could never blame Him for our sin. But God, why would He not give us more than we can handle? This world is more than we can handle. That's why we need Him. <laughs> but He promises this that He will never allow there to be anything in this world that He can't handle because He's bigger than it all and He's overcome the world. And He promises this that if we are His child, if you've been saved by grace through faith in Jesus, that he's yours and he dwells with you and he will never leave you nor forsake you and his promises are sure and there's nothing in this world in heaven and in hell in life or in death or anything that could happen that will separate you from that great love in Christ Jesus. So God is bigger than you. He's bigger than your brain. He's bigger than your sin. He's bigger than your problems. He's big enough to save not just in eternity but right now. Isn't that a great passage? And all of this, the point is this, is that God's hope is holy. Our hope is not like the rest of the world. Most of us hope, I hope God, I hope that the world will will have things. I hope that my check will come in. I hope that we'll have a solution to this. I hope I don't get sick. It's all on these contingency things that may happen or not. What makes our hope in God different is it's not something that's contingency. It's an absolute assurance. My hope is in God. He has overcome the world. My hope is in God. He is my provider. My hope is in God, he is my protector. My hope is in God, he is my savior. And so what can this world do to me? If I get sick, does God not have the ability to heal me? Or even if he says, Aaron, I'm gonna allow you to be sick, is he not big enough to do something even better through that sickness as he promised? That he does not allow anything to happen to his children, that he's not actively at work redeeming and doing something for their good and the good of his kingdom? Yeah. So let me ask you this morning, who are you trusting in? Are we trusting the economy? Are you trusting in a good job? Maybe a, a bailout check? Good health or youth? Social distancing or doctors? <laughs> Those are all good things. But God's sovereign over all of them. And we're going to live wisely and we're going to do things that God told us. We're not going to tempt God and be stupid because he'll let us suffer the consequences of that. I'm not going and licking sick people. But my trust ultimately is not in any of those things. I know that my God is sovereign in the midst of all of it and he's holding me. And so I have a peace in the midst of this time and I hope that you have that too. That our hope is in God and that hope brings us peace and that peace brings us stability. And that stability provides us a platform to serve and to love other people and to care for them. Now that I know that God has me, don't I have the ability to share good news with others? And to share the good things that God has given me with those in need. Can I do that? Yeah. Can you? Yeah. (laughs) So let's turn to the God today while we still can. And that's really our application. Let's put our hope in Jesus. In this time, for our salvation and our protection and and, and in his promise, let's put our hope in God. Let's put it in his holiness. Let's put our hope in, in the heavenly father knowing that he's there to save us, put our hope in God's Holy Spirit to counsel us and guide us and transform us from the inside out. Let's, let's put our hope in Christ to carry us in this time and through this time to do great things. And so on your connection cards, I bring this series to a close. On there is the next steps and i love to have your next steps and thank you for those but the many of you are filling out those connection cards. It is really awesome. One is it just helps me connect with you each week and to pray with you and I want you to write your prayer request down. Please take a moment And write out your prayer requests. I I love to pray for you. Even if you're not part of our Christian church family, please, God is amazing and he listens to us and he does amazing things. So let me pray with you. Write those down. But also on that connection card, there's some things I'm gonna challenge you to do. Just small commitments. I mean, what else are you doing? You're stuck at home anyway. So here you go, first one. Uh, Memorize Isaiah 6, 3. Remember, after the series is done, tattoo it to your heart and your soul that holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole world is full of his glory. If you remember that, you're not going to be terrified by the things. Wondering is God with us? No, He's with us. God is glorifying and bringing all things together for His glory. So we recognize He's not like anything else so we can trust Him. He's higher than we are, but we can trust Him. He's at work today. Maybe something you want to commit to is the next one is to is to read Isaiah chapters 56 to 66. That brings you to the end of the book. And if you've done that uh, all the way through, you've read the whole book of Isaiah. Congratulations! Woo, that's awesome. But I think you're going to find as you go from 56 through 66, you're going to find some really awesome things as we see God's hope and how it fulfills, and it gets even better. I mean, the news gets even better. Encouraging read this week. Or maybe for you, your action step this week is to put your hope in God. To say, you know, I've been anxious. And this is how we do it. When you feel anxiety, when you feel worry, you feel, you know, you feel those inside. What we need to do is you put in your hope in God. You're saying, you know what? Lord, I would really like to not get sick. Lord, I would really like to not go broke. Lord, I'd really like to not lose my house. Lord, I'd really like to not have whatever, right? Important things. And you, you lay out those problems before God. You say, God, these are all those things and, and these are my suggestions of how I think that I want to do it, but I'm going to put these before you and I'm going to trust in you and I'm going to ask for wisdom and direction and guidance in this and I'm going to ask you to help me and, and to go through this. And then, as you do that, then you uh, walk in righteousness. God will never answer his, his, your prayers by asking you to do something that's in contradiction to his stated will. So, uh, one of the best things you do is, uh, Jesus said, you know, are you loving God first and above all else? Is your action that you're going to do uh, taking into account other people, at least as much as yourself? Are you loving others at least as much as you love yourself? All right? Are you treating others like you would like to be treated? That's a great thing of guidance. So you're putting your hope in God and saying, God, I'm not going to try to shortchange you. I'm not going to give up my, my service, my tithe, my prayer, all that kind of stuff. God, I'm going to give you what's due you. I want to invite you into my life. I'm going to follow you and I'm going to trust you putting your hope in God. Maybe that's what you need to do this week. Something I hope that you all do. Would you invite a friend for Easter? I don't know if we'll get to meet here at the building. Probably not, I don't know. We'll see, God can do miracles. But even if we've got to do this electronically, what a great way to invite a friend. We're gonna be starting a new series. Uh, It's called Living Hope. And we're gonna start next Sunday and we're gonna praise God for how good and amazing He is. we is. We're gonna talk about the living hope, living hope hope that we have in Christ that we've kind of set up here, but it really takes the next step. And then uh, through that series, we're going to talk about that living hope, how it works in our lives, in our, in our marriages, and our families, and, in our businesses, and in all areas of life. We're going to be going through and talking about the power of the living hope in very practical ways as we live out this amazing life with Christ. So would you invite a friend this Easter, next Sunday, to come join us? I hope you do. Hope this gives you opportunity to fill out your connection card uh, and put your prayer requests and we're also taking an offering like we do every week. The work of God continues and he asks us to trust him first and most with our things and that's what it's about. Let's worship God with our giving and so you can do that. It's a link there on your website uh, or you can go to our website, funchurch.com, F-U-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.com. You can go there. There's a button there that says give. You can give that way or you can mail us or whatever at our address, uh, uh, 4655 US Highway 36 here in Estes Park, Colorado. 80517, of course. But whatever it is, make sure that you're not just giving, that you're giving as an expression of your faith in God and your trust in Him. Uh, And so, let's do that. Let's take a moment to fill those out, and then we'll finish up with a little bit of worship, and then uh, I'll see you this following Sunday. So before I let you go, let me pray for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray your blessing over all of those that are listening today. Through, uh, it's not a virtual church, it's a very real church that is just meeting online <laughs> throughout the Estes Valley and beyond. Will you build faith in these believers? Will you bless them today with your health provision and protection? Father, if there is any who heard this message today that has not come to your kingdom, is not your child yet, then Father, call them while there's still time. I pray, Father, that they would receive you by grace through faith in Jesus. Father, and help us to help them uh, take those steps of faithfulness, to, to believe, repent, be baptized, to, to grow. grow. Grow in a church, Father. But for all of us that are part of your body, Father, I pray your blessing over this. Help us to live in this time, not out of fear, but out of hope in you and trust in your promise and your power and your provision. Let us live boldly for you and shine bright as we proclaim the gospel and your good works through our lives in this community. And Father, I pray that you would prepare us too for Easter and for all those that we're going to invite, that you would uh, allow them to be receptive and that they would accept that and that they would come and be encouraged by your word and the truth of your word that you are a living God and you offer a living hope. So would you bless that too in advance? And Father, today I also pray a blessing of peace over all that are here, all that are listening today. And Father, the peace of of Christ would fill their hearts and their homes and would guard them in Christ Jesus until we meet again. Lord, we pray all of this in the powerful, holy name of Jesus our Savior. Amen. We'll see you next week.